Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you are with us this weekend, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. We're grateful to have you, and our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And, uh, and actually, next weekend, we have a great way to kind of take a, a faith step for some of you. Uh, we're doing baptisms. So if you've never been baptized, or maybe you're baptized like I was just as, a, as an infant, uh, but you haven't since you've committed your life to Christ or uh, really uh, made your profession of faith public, uh, then, man, we'd love to baptize you next week and be a part of that. I've already been getting text messages and had conversations after last service about people who are being baptized. I'm so excited uh, about what God is doing in this church. We'd love for you to take that step of faith if that's kind of where you are uh, in your faith journey. If you are, all you got to do is mark the uh, baptism box on your Connect card uh, or uh, the Connect card online. Uh, you can mark it on there as well, and we, we'll follow up with you, give you all the information that you need for uh, this upcoming weekend. Today, we're uh, continuing a series that we started last week called Emotions. Uh, man, we had a great start to the series. Uh, God really moved powerfully last weekend and uh, just heard from so many of you just uh, how God spoke to you and some of the things that he's beginning to do in your life. And today, we're going to continue that, but we're going to talk about emotion, uh, an emotion that no Christian should ever have. It's the emotion of anxiety. And if you have anxiety, I would say you're not a very good follower of Jesus, you don't trust in God very well. God can't use you. See, some of you are laughing, but I know some of you is creating anxiety right now, just me saying that. Because here's the reality. The church, and I don't mean our church, I mean the Big C Church has done a terrible job over the years at addressing this topic. And so many of you have been told by people in church leadership that maybe you don't trust God enough because you still wrestle with anxiety, or maybe you don't. Uh, really follow Christ because uh, you're faced with anxiety from time to time. And I just want to say right here, right now, that when you're faced with anxiety, that is not sin. It's kind of like anger. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. When you're faced with anxiety, it doesn't mean that you're any less uh, of a follower of Jesus. In fact, I would say that all of us in this room at different times in our lives and in different ways are faced with anxiety, every single one of us. In fact, statistically speaking, I was doing some research for this topic and uh, uh, anxiety, all the, all the stats, all the surveys show that anxiety has increased dramatically over the last year, year and a half. Uh, there was a poll done in, in June of, of 2019 and 8% of the population said that they struggled with anxiety at that point. 8% were honest enough to say, hey, that's me, I deal with this. And then the latest poll in December of 2020, so just a few months ago, that number rose from 8% to 41%. That means that almost half of us would say, if I'm being real honest, that I deal with this on a regular basis. After last service, talking to so many people and just hearing what people are walking through, I would say that number is probably a lot higher than 41%. And of course, there's anxiety. I mean, think about what we've been through in the last year. You've got a mysterious virus. You've got shutdowns. You've got economic fears. You've got racial tension, political divide. You've got social media, and that alone should cause you anxiety in your life. We've got all of these things that have come together, and of course, there's anxiety. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at what do we do when we're faced with anxiety, and we're going to look at it from the perspective of Jesus, because I firmly believe that Jesus faced anxiety. 
So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14. That's where we're going to pick up with the story. And this is the night that Jesus betrayed, the night before he's, he's going to be crucified. And so you can imagine, imagine being Jesus, knowing that you're about to be beaten, you're about to be arrested, you're about to be killed. Now he came for this reason, but can you imagine what he's wrestling through in this moment? And we're going we're gonna to look at exactly what he's wrestling with. Look at verse 32 of Mark chapter 14. It says this. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Verse 33, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Now, Jesus was fully God. He was also fully man. He knew why he came. He came to die for us. And yet in this moment, it says that he's, he's deeply distressed What's that phrase mean? Greatly distressed means to be thrown, literally means to be thrown into terror. Think about that. The God of the universe, the God who knows all things that are coming, is thrown into terror. Like there's a, like there's a paralyzing effect of terror. Have you, ever, have you ever walked through terror? Have you ever been thrown into terror? So it says he's greatly distressed, and then it says he's troubled, and the Greek word that's used for troubled means to have anguish, and it's another term used for depression. It's actually the strongest term the New Testament uses for depression. And it says Jesus had these two things. That he's greatly distressed and he's troubled. Now this doesn't fit our narrative of, of Jesus, does it? And when we think of Jesus, we think Jesus is always happy. Jesus is always on. Like maybe he's like walking like a white robe and he's like throwing flowers out or something, right? Like he's like, you're healed and you're healed and all of you are healed. You know, like we look at Jesus, we think he's just always happy, always excited. And yet we read here that he's greatly distressed, that he's thrown into terror and that he's troubled. There's anguish, the strongest word used for depression, what does Jesus do in this moment? Well, when anxiety rose up, Jesus talked back. Who did he talk back to? When anxiety rose up, Jesus talked back. Number one, he talked to his father. Look at verses 35, 36. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. He's like, man, I don't want to do this. If we can just delay it a little bit longer, then verse 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He used this phrase, Abba, Father. And this was a common phrase for Jewish kids. They would, they would refer to their dads as Abba, Father. It was a term of endearment. It, it meant that you had this warm affection and this complete confidence in your father. But when Jesus uses it here, the Jewish people may have been going, hey, well, you're not supposed to be using that term now. Like you're a grown man. You don't talk about your dad being Abba Father at this point. That's when you were a little kid. But what Jesus is saying here is my relationship with the Father is so deep. Like I have this warm affection with him. I have this, this complete confidence that he's here in this moment and that he is going to take care of me. He had this relationship with his Father. And when he began, began to be greatly distressed and troubled, he runs to his dad. And I wonder if you and I, if that's the first place we run. If when we're faced with anxiety, do we first call upon the Father? Or do we go to all the other things we know we're supposed to do, right? The, the, the counseling or the medication or the different things. And I'm going to talk about those things and how important they are here in a second. But do, do we do those things first? And then when we've exhausted all of our options that we're like, okay, God, I need you. Or do we run to him first? 
I love what Philippians chapter 4 says about this subject. Chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. How many of you would love to not be anxious about anything? Right? All, all of us. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, how do we get there? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That phrase, guard your hearts, is a military phrase. It, it, it invoked the, the imagery of, of a guard, of a soldier standing guard over someone or something. And so what he's saying here is that when you and I, when we're wrestling through things and we go to the Father, that God gives us a peace that watches over us, that it guards us, that God is that soldier that is protecting us, is our first response to run to him. When anxiety rose up, Jesus talked back. He talked to his father. The second group he talked to is he talked to his friends. Look at verse 33. It says, he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply, deeply distressed and troubled. Verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus confides in his community group. Takes his guys along with him and can you imagine being one of his disciples? Like, hold on, you're like, you're like the savior of the world. You're the son of God. Like, why are you telling us that you're greatly distressed, that you're troubled? Because he's confiding in them. He knows the importance of community. And I think one of the biggest reasons people are feeling anxious is because we're lacking community. I think one of the greatest reasons that people are feeling anxious right now, that, that people are, are feeling scared or unsettled or maybe you're vulnerable to every news cycle and every, every post that you read, you're kind of vulnerable to the different things that are going, well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And the reason why we're there is because we're lacking. We're lacking godly, uplifting, spiritual community. I think probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest effect of over the last year is the isolation. Like sure, man, the virus is, is crazy and it's killed a ton of people. I've lost friends to coronavirus. I, I get, I'm not minimizing that at all, but what I am saying is I don't know if we'll truly understand the effect of the isolation for years, maybe generations to come. I mean, as a, as a church, we want to deal with this topic holistically. And so, you know, we talk about, man, if, if, if maybe your nutrition, maybe your diet is what's causing some of your anxiety, you need to see a nutritionist and kind of get on a right plan. For some of us, uh, our anxiety can be helped with a counselor, and, and we believe in counseling. We talk about counseling all the time. I go to counseling. My wife goes to counseling. We go to counseling together. My son goes to counseling. At some point, my daughter's going to start going to counseling. Like, we all, we believe in counseling. For some of us, our anxiety can be impacted by medication. I remember the first time I stood on a stage and I, and I said, hey, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, then it's okay to look into medication. I remember somebody came up to me afterwards like, oh, you don't trust in God and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, man, like that's a lie that keeps being told by people in the Christian community. And I'll just say there are some of us that are impacted in such a way Medication is a good thing. Not all of us, but for some of us. And so maybe medication is, could be helpful for you. I can't speak to the nutrition side. I can't speak to the counseling. I can't speak to the medication. But what I can speak to is the spiritual. 
And when you look back at the beginning, like the very beginning, God creates man and he looks at man and he says, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. It's still not good for us to be alone. And there's so many of us that have been alone. We have felt isolated. We have felt withdrawn. And if that's you, I would encourage you to re-engage. To re-engage community groups, to re-engage friends. Some of us have friends around us right now that love us and and we kind of believe that. But to like open up about this, I mean, can you imagine the God of the universe opening up to you and be like, yo, I'm like greatly distressed and troubled. Wait, what? And yet we don't see the disciples responding that way. They respond in love and in friendship. So when anxiety rose up, Jesus talked back. He talked to his father. He talked to his friends. And lastly, he talked to his feelings. He talked to his feelings. Look at verse 36 again. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Verse 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? The flesh is weak. How many of us, let's just by show of hands, if you're watching online, you can just do a little raise hand emoji. How many of us, if we're being real honest with ourselves and being real honest in this room would say, you know what, Ernest, there are times in my life I have messed up, jacked up feelings. Anybody? Okay. Yeah, all of it. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. You're just straight lying. Right? But our world tells us to follow your heart. Trust your feelings. No. Don't trust. If I trusted my feelings, I'd be in jail by noon. Like just... (laughs) Straight up. That's the reality. Anybody else got testimony? You know, like, that you can't. Like, imagine if Jesus would have trusted his feelings. Do you think he felt like being beaten? Felt like being arrested? Felt like being crucified? No. Now, here's the reality. Your feelings are real. Okay, so I don't want to minimize feelings, but your feelings aren't always true. Let me say that again. Your feelings are real. But your feelings aren't always true. And so what do you do to your feelings? Well, you've got to compare them to God's word. What does God's word say about that thing? What does God's word say about whatever you're thinking through, whatever you're wrestling through? For some of us, we may feel like at times, man, God doesn't love me. We'll read Romans 8 and you'll see that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Some of us feel like, man, we're kind of lonely, right? If you wrestle with anxiety, then you know And man, it could be a real lonely journey. You're like, no one understands. No one's walking through this. And yet in Hebrews 13, we're told that God will never leave you or forsake you. Never. For some of us, we've we've been wrestling with, man, how am I going to provide for my family? How how are we going to survive? And in Philippians 4, we we see that God will take care of everything. You want to keep going? We can go all day about what we believe or what we tell ourselves and then what God's word says. It's why we say all the time and get into this thing. Because if you don't have God's word to combat all the stuff that goes on up here and all the feelings that you have, good luck. Good luck. Because your feelings are real, but they're not always true. So what do you do with your feelings? You've got to recognize your feelings. You've got to like, be honest with them. Ask the question, why? Why am I feeling this way? Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe your kids are acting a fool. Maybe your husband's acting a fool. 
right? Like there's a thousand things that could be going on. Maybe you're angry that it's cold on Memorial Day, right? Like name it. Like there's so many things that you, that you and I can kind of get to us. And so we have to ask, okay, why? Why do I feel this? Why am I anxious? Why am I wrestling through whatever it may be? Why? And then you take those feelings and you submit them to the lordship of Jesus. You submit them to the lordship of Jesus. What does that mean? Well, scripture tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought that comes into your mind, take it captive to the obedience of Christ. How do you do that? Here's how I do it. When a thought comes into my mind, I ask the question, is this of God? If it's of God, I dwell on it. I'm like, okay, this is a good thing. This is from him. I'm going to dwell on this thing. If it's not from God, throw it away. You're like, what is that? That's, I play basketball. That's my throw it away. If it's of God, you dwell on it. You stay there. If it's not of God, you crinkle that thing up and you throw it in the trash. Get rid of it. Because that's not of the Lord. He does not want you dwelling on that. If you dwell on that, you'll allow that thing to lead your life rather than the word of God lead your life. And so here's what I want to do. I'm, we want to make it very, very clear. We, I said at the very beginning of the message that, hey, if you wrestle with anxiety, then you're not a good follower of Jesus. You don't trust God. God can't use you. And we want to make sure we painted the clearest picture possible that that's not true. And so I'm going to ask a friend of mine to come up and kind of share a little bit of his story. But he's not just a friend of mine. He's one of our pastors. He's not just one of our pastors. He's been a mentor in my life since I was 18 years old. He's impacted my life more than he'll ever fully understand. And so we wanted to show how we can wrestle with anxiety, we can be faced with anxiety, and God can still use you, and you can still be a follower of Jesus and all of that. So do me a favor, you've heard him preach here before and all of that, but do me a favor and give a huge, huge welcome to Pastor Jeff Surratt. Come on. So I grew up, grew up in church, and I have heard messages on worry and anxiety so many times, and I've always thought... <clears throat> What's the big deal? Like, Scripture says, you know, the old King James Version, cast your cares on him. And I also grew up in an environment and, and in an era when, especially as a guy, suck it up, you know, get over it. And that was kind of how I felt until a few years ago. I took my kids on a vacation. We took our kids on a vacation to Universal Studios, and we rode the Back to the Future ride. Anybody ridden the Back to the Future ride? you're going to not believe this next story. So Back to the Future is just these uh, mock-ups of a DeLorean, and it's not even a ride, it's a simulator. So you get in, and the car moves around a little bit, and there's screens, and, and then you get out. So we got on this ride, and, and uh, all four of us, and I remember as, at the last minute, the uh, young man who was running the ride said, hey, anybody in here ever deal with any claustrophobia? No, okay, and closes the door. And inside I'm going, ah, and the ride starts, and it was horrible. I mean, it was awful. My heart started racing. I, I had to get out, and I, I, I was sweating like crazy. And I thought, if I'll just close my eyes, it'll go away. And then I closed my eyes, and it was no better. It was the worst five minutes of my life. Finally, I open up the door, and we get out, and the kids, they're, they're laughing. What if that was kind of fun? And Sherry's laughing. It's kind of fun. And they look at me, and I am white as a piece of paper. And I am sweating from head to toe. And they're like, what is your problem? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't do so well there. And as they should, they made fun of me. And to this day, a little bit make fun of me for that. But it wasn't a big deal because I knew all I needed to do is avoid fake DeLoreans and I would be fine. 
And that's kind of what I thought until the next time for my work, I got on an airplane. And right when the flight attendant said, uh, we're closing the door, the same thing happened. My heart started racing. I, I started to sweat. I had this overwhelming feeling. I have to get out. I have to get out. I have to get out. It took everything I had to stay in my seat while that plane took off. And that was kind of the beginning for me of seeing a different side of anxiety, a piece of anxiety that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about and many, many of you don't. And it's very infrequent, but I never know when it's going to come. And it never comes at a good time. Like the time I was riding in the back of a minivan and my father-in-law was driving and I had to ask him to pull over so I could change seats with somebody and I couldn't explain why. Or the time I went for an open MRI and open MRI is just a little machine that they put your leg in. And when he put it in, he said, you're going to have to sit still for 25 minutes. And I, I panicked and I had to have him stop and I had to get out. Or the time that I had to take an eye test and they put goggles on me. And again, I just started to sweat and, and my heart was beating and I, I had to get away. And it's unbelievably embarrassing and I'm never going to share this in public again. But it's not about empathy for me. I, I'm fine. But some of you can relate. You, you know that it can just be debilitating. Like the time I was sitting on the front row at a church and I was speaking that weekend. And it hit and my heart raced and I started sweating and I had to get out of there. And how do you stand up in front of a congregation and say, oh, the guy who is going to preach to you about peace, well, he had to run out of the auditorium. But I was able to stay. But it's just tough to deal with. But mine isn't like yours. Like, everybody's anxiety is different. And not everybody has anxiety attacks or panic attacks. And those of you who do know what I'm talking about, but it happens differently. And for some of you, it's not you. It's one of your children, and it's scaring you to death because you want to fix it, and you want it to go away. And what, what do you do with that? And so I just want to tell you what I'm learning and have learned over a few years of dealing with this. And one of the things that I'm learning is my father is always there. Uh, he's always there. Because sometimes it comes at 3 a.m. when everybody else is asleep and I just am praying for the sun to come up so it can just be over. And even in that moment, I know that I'm not alone. He's with me. I, I've learned to talk to people about it. I don't talk to a lot of people <laughs> I've never talked to this many people about it. And like I said, it, we'll not do this again. But I've learned to talk to people that I trust, some very, very close friends who, who get it. And friends who know they, they don't need to try to fix it. You know, when our friends are going through something like this or our husband or our child or whoever it is, we, we so want to fix it. We so want to make it better. And so we read about it and we try to explain to them what's going on. And the truth is, is, we can't know because we're not inside their head. We're not inside their body. We, we, we can't fix it, and that's okay. But we can be there, and we can love them, and we can understand. And I have found that in sharing with a very, very, very small circle of friends, some who deal with the same thing that I do, that there is incredible community in that. And it normalizes it. And I realize I'm not a freak. I'm, I'm not, I don't have to give up my man card. I'm just somebody who deals with a unique kind of anxiety. So, so I'm never alone. My father is always with me, and I, I, I can share it with a small circle of friends. The interesting thing is some of those friends wear white coats and write prescriptions. 
I have a vial next to my bed of medicine, and I've only taken it two or three times, but it's there. I know it's there, and it's helpful for me. And as Pastor Ernest said, sometimes medication helps, and sometimes our friends are doctors. And the last thing that I have learned is exactly what Pastor Ernest said, is I have to speak to my feelings. I can't just follow my feelings. I, I am not what I feel. I am not somebody who has anxiety. I'm somebody who occasionally anxiety happens. I'm God's chosen son. He loves me. I am part of his family. I am able to function and to be used by God. My prayer used to be, God, I just want this taken away, not just for me, but for my friends who deal with it even at a much deeper level than I do. Just take it away. Let it be done. And I, I, I still pray that. But on the other hand, because I have walked through this and walked through it, and one of my best friends called me last summer and said, I, I don't think I can get through it this time. Like, it's really, really bad. And he began going to counseling and began to get medication for the first time in his life. And I was able to stay in that with him. And I was able to talk to him. And his experience was different, but I got it. I understood. I knew what it was like to not want to get up in the morning and not especially want to go to bed at night in case it hits. And so there's a, there's a piece of this that I wouldn't give up because I can walk through something that not everybody walks through, but I know in a crowd this size, some of you are dealing with this. And I just want to say, it's okay. It's okay. We keep it quiet, but there's several of us. And God is with you. And we will pray for each other. And regardless of what kind of anxiety you deal with, yours may be very, very different. Yours may not come in episodes, and it may not involve heart palpitations and all of that. It may be a, a different kind of worry, a different kind of anxiety. Yours, yours may be caused by something going on in your life where mine, it's so hard to find a cause. It just happens. But whatever it is, that verse that says, cast your cares on Jesus is real. It's a real deal. That verse that says there's a peace that goes beyond understanding. There's a peace that goes beyond circumstances. It's a real deal. That's what Jesus offers you today and offers me. I'd love for you, if you don't mind, just close your eyes where you're at. And this, this is because this isn't about, about you right now. So if you just close your eyes, that would be super helpful. Because I want to pray for those who are struggling. I wonder if you are here today and you would say, you know what, Jeff, I... I'm dealing with anxiety right now. Maybe it's like mine, maybe it's not. Maybe it's, it's, it's about something going on in your life, but you would just say anxiety and worry, panic maybe for you is something I'm really dealing with right now. I need prayer. Would you just raise a hand so I can pray for you? There's people all over the auditorium. Men, women, you can put your hand back down. How many of you would say, Jeff, Somebody I love, my son, my daughter, husband, wife, really close friend, is really struggling right now with anxiety. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, a ton of us. A ton of us. Put your hand down. 
for some of you, maybe somebody online even. You don't know what it is to have the Prince of Peace step into your life because you've never followed him with everything that you have. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm going to pray for those who haven't followed Jesus. If you, if you want to follow him, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray for this, those of us who are dealing with anxiety. Would you pray with me? Father, I just come before you right now for those who have not experienced the Prince of Peace in their life. Right now, together, we all just pray, Father, I'm sorry for my past. I'm sorry for trying to figure this out on my own. Lord, I want to I follow you in the future. I want to follow the Prince of Peace. So today, I commit my life to you. Lord, I pray for those who raised a hand here in the auditorium or maybe online, they just typed in the word, me too. And they're dealing with anxiety, Lord, their own flavor, whatever it is, whatever it's caused by. But the answer is peace and the peace that comes from you. Lord, I pray with Paul for a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that right now in this auditorium and online, that we will feel your Holy Spirit, your presence in our lives and know that there is a peace that goes deeper even than our deepest worry, our deepest anxiety. Lord, I pray the scripture talks about pouring in oil and wine, a healing ointment. I pray that for those today dealing with this. Lord, I pray for parents whose kids are starting to experience this. Lord, I, it's terrifying. Lord, I pray that you will give them peace and wisdom as mom and as dad. I pray for husbands whose wives struggle. I pray for wives whose husbands struggle. Lord, it's so comforting to know that in the garden you knew what it was to feel your heart beat so fast. Lord, this word says you sweat until blood came out. That's how intense the feeling was. You know what we walk through. You walk with us. Lord, I pray that you will be with us today and pray for that healing. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.